Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. And an issue that doesn't really care whether you're right, left, or center, as far as your political or philosophical following is concerned or your belief is concerned. An issue that is just one of common decency and, and one of just doing what is right and what is correct and what is necessary is the issue of bringing to this country the interpreters who stood alongside our Canadian forces in Afghanistan, who guided them, who led them into villages uh, where they, our, our guys and men and women had no understanding of the, of the language or the customs, but the interpreters did. And we've had members of the Canadian military tell us that with the interpreters, the Afghan interpreters who worked with them, were on the front lines of the fighting with them, saved Canadian lives simply because, or maybe not so simply, but because they knew the customs, because they understood the language, because they were there to help. And we've also had Canadian soldiers tell us, an officer told us, that the insurgents would often try to kill the interpreter first because they knew that that would be a blow to the Canadian units. And yet we don't bring them here. We don't open our country to them. Why is that? The conservatives opened the door a crack in 2011 and then slammed it shut. There was an opportunity for a couple of months for the interpreters to look to come to Canada, to apply to come here. Some did. So few were uh, uh, allowed in. The current government's done nothing and has no interest. Zero. Irregular border crossers, fine. But the Afghan interpreters, why aren't they being brought to Canada? We've had them on this program, several of them. They talk about being hunted by the Taliban, about their lives being threatened by the Taliban. And a few weeks ago, I received an email, and I mentioned it on the air, I believe, when I received it from an Afghan interpreter who pointed out that one of his colleagues, one of his friends, had in fact been caught it, caught and executed by the Taliban. Now, what are we doing? What are we doing? Nothing. And why are we doing nothing? That I can't answer. Joe Warmington, Toronto Sun columnist, one of the very best in this country, great friend of mine. Joe uh, has been on the. Joe is the is the cutting edge, the leading edge, of the fight to bring the interpreters to, to to Canada. He's the one who alerted the rest of us to the tremendous need and 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 the and the and, and what we need to do. And this week, Joe, you had an opportunity. You you, you ran actually into the federal immigration minister. Yeah. And and how did that go? Well, it was an interesting thing because we were at the airport covering Andrew Shear, myself and Ernest Rosick, and a photographer. And uh, we decided to go out into the terminals just to interview people about the whole lav, uh, you know, uh, lavland thing, and uh, that was interesting. And we went between the two terminals on one of those trains that take you. Between, I'd never been on it before. We were getting off, and getting on was uh, the minister uh, Ahmed. Um, Hassan, and um, so I said to Ernest, let's just stay on, and we tried to talk to him, 
and he did not want anything to do with us uh, at all. He was talking about going through the office and these kinds of things. He's been dodging me for years. <clears throat> now, I, originally I wasn't thinking about the interpreters when I saw him. I was thinking about the whole situation with Jody Wilson-Raybould, and I asked him about all of that. But he was blowing us off on it. So then it popped in my head about the interpreters that I've always wanted to ask him about that, so I did. And he did not, uh, you know, he just it just seemed to almost spit it out. And then so then we went back, and he did answer, you know, cordially. And uh, I thought well, he was okay talking about the other situation, uh, you know, in a very, you know, the usual way, almost like they have a boiler point um you know, things to say, but nothing on the interpreters. But I, I still think it's a positive, Roy, because I was able to do that, something I haven't been able to do in a couple of years with him, uh, to, to get it uh, right, you know, in front of him. Because if there's nothing else out of this whole scandal with the SNC-Lavalin, is that, you know, we are getting to a point where we are going to have to do something for the remaining interpreters. And either it'll be Andrew Shear that does it, or if, if there's another government somehow, however it happens, we've got to do it because uh, it's really risky, as you know, for the ones that are left. It's uh, kind of a repugnant thing that the country's done. And you talk about apologizing for things. This country will have to do that for the interpreters. The ones that we know, the ones that served, the ones that were vetted, the ones that, you know, help keep our men and women alive. And I, I don't know what the number is, It's but it's a dozen or so that should be, here, certainly more than the people that are going through Roxham Road and all that. It just doesn't make any sense, Joe. There's there's political capital in this. They don't seem to realize that if the first government that says, we understand our responsibility to these interpreters, we understand what they did for us, we understand that our forces want those interpreters brought into Canada. Again, the vetting takes place, you make sure that it's the right person, but then you bring them into Canada and you spare them. They live every day in fear. See, the thing is that John McCallum understood that, and that's why one of the reasons he was moved out of, as immigration minister, because he wanted to do this. He did it for James Akam, who's a great friend of your show and, and of my mine as well. And, you know, I'll never forget the day that he came here. And, you know, when we picked him up at the airport, I remember my friend Steve Smith and his son Scott, myself and Mike Peake. And the very first phone call we got was from Don Cherry. It wasn't long after we talked to yourself, and I remember Chuck Adler uh, also on a show. And so, you know, there were people that cared, and the next thing you know, he was out and he was gone. And the people that are running the, the immigration department and the government itself, you've got to remember that they don't like these interpreters. They don't fit into, you know, they're, they're almost seen as traitors by the people that sort of uh, advise them, if you will. They, you know, they, they see them as people that are going against the, the resistance in Afghanistan. Of course, it's not that at all. I mean, it's not that at all. And, you know, when I was in Afghanistan, just there once, and, it, you know, I spent some time there. And I, I found that there were a lot of people that weren't interested in war in the Taliban. There was all kinds of stuff going on that, uh, that uh, you know, that I thought that, that we, you know, do. Anyway, I got my son here, so I'm sorry about that. But it's all right. It's, uh, anyway, it, uh, it's one of those things that where, you know, they just, they just don't ideologically line up. And that's the real reason why a guy like Minister Hassan doesn't want to help them. I, I, I agree with you, though is that if you're going to be talking about saving lives and this kind of thing, then you've got to be for everybody. And these guys talk a really good game. 
Uh, this has been a very difficult few weeks because it's hard to sit there and listen to all the nonsense and spin. But I'll tell you, it's even harder to know that there are people that served our military uniform that are in harm's way, and a lot of them are dodging bullets, a lot of them, their families and parents and houses either have been killed or been burned down, things like that, and we're idly standing by doing nothing about it. I don't know what to do other than I'm glad to be able to come on your show here to talk about it. And I was glad to be able to raise it with the minister, and I urge him to take this seriously. And, you know, don't, don't just talk about it. Do something. You know, Joe, what it's going to take, because I don't think that I don't see the any political party interested in making this a, a case, an issue. They just don't seem to have the interest. As I said earlier, Jason Kenney, when he was the conservative immigration minister, opened the door a crack in 2011, and then it slammed shut a few months later. And we had one of the interpreters on the program who said he was out with Canadian uh, soldiers on uh, on patrol, and he wasn't really aware that this this opportunity existed. By the time he became aware of it, it was too late to uh, to take advantage of it. Now we have these very men, and we've had them on the show with you. And, and you've talked to them uh, separate from me. And they tell us that their lives are threatened daily. And now we do, I got that email a few weeks ago that one of them has been killed. Yeah, I and, know. And what, what, are we, what are we doing? It's going to take people. I feel very strongly about this. It's going to take people, the, the listeners to this program, your readers, everyday Canadians to say, we owe them. If you're going to open our borders and say a regular border crossing is fine, it's just the way it's going to be, or you're going to you're, go, you're going to extend the, the the courtesy of of Canadian charter rights to people who cross the border and violate the safe third country agreement. Uh, if you're going to do that, then at least let this dozen or so interpreters and their families come to Canada. That's what we have to push for. Well, I think that uh, you know you raised it well. I don't blame the Harper government or, or Minister Kenny because they did get in total 1,100 people in that program, and it had to come to an end sometime. And, you know, I think where I do blame them, and I blame the the incoming government, the one that came in in 2015, is to what Aaron O'Toole suggested, the, at that time, Minister of Veterans Affairs, is just to have a one-time extension of that program and then cover off who you didn't get. You're right, some of them... Some of them were unable to apply. They, you know, they jumped on with other uh, services. You know, the Americans, the British, uh, the the people that stayed there a little longer, things like that. Um, there are a lot of people who don't care about these. Uh, it's mostly men. But you know, if we ever, I mean, like there are lots of women too that worked on the bases in cleaning and cooking and things like that that are also in danger. But that's a different issue. The interpreters kept our men and women alive. They served the country. They wore the uniform. They all have pictures with the chief of defense staff and the top generals. They're bloody proud of it, too. I mean, they're veterans. They are proud I mean, they're of They're veterans it. Of, uh, of our service. And, uh, you know, I, I again, I don't profess to be any kind of an expert. I'll tell you something, though. When I was there, the guy that was our interpreter, and I've said this to you before on your show, his name was, his name was Ahmed or Ahmed, and his parents were murdered. He had, uh, on his hands and arms, was all burns from a fire because he had made a deal to bring some cars over in the kind of a mafia slash, uh, at that time was Taliban, had took took the cars and burned his house down. Then he went into hiding. And we tried to get him here as well. It was actually uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony White who led that trip. And that's when I understood the plight of the uh, interpreters. It wasn't until a couple of years after that that I ran into the story of James Akam, which we really fought for, you did as well. And... Um, you know, the, 
again, I I really feel that I, I believe that we are going to get them here. I don't know if it's going to be before the October election or after, but uh, I think it's important we stay on it because there's human lives here, and there are children, and there are people that would really do great. You know, you haven't heard one negative thing about a Canadian interpreter. I don't. I haven't anyway. No. Uh, an Afghan interpreter that's come to Canada. No. They, they all do well. They all do well. Uh, James Akam uh, is on his way to becoming a Canadian citizen. I don't know if he's yet is is yet or not. No, he's he's still he's still working on he's it. Still working boy, on when it. that happens, that's going to be a a very special and, moment. And you made that happen, Joe. I, I think it's more John McCallum uh, at the end of the day. I mean, the actions that we're taking now uh, are the same for the other ones. We really fought hard. Uh, but it was it was actually John McCallum, the, the minister, who, you know, he, he agreed with us. And if he'd stayed in, in that role, when he was taken out of that role and sent over to China, I'm telling you, man, my, uh, that was the, the saddest day for me in this government. There's been a whole bunch of them. But that was it, because I knew that it was over for us. I knew we weren't going to get any of these uh, these guys over after that, and it was going to be really difficult. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't talked to him since I, I guess he's not uh, the ambassador to China anymore. If we could track him down, if he's listening now, let's uh, talk about this. Maybe he could help lobby for this for these guys. Absolutely. And it would be absolutely terrible and unacceptable and a stain on our reputation, I believe, if one by one by one they're hunted down, by a resurgent Taliban who will take a more active role in in running Afghanistan and therefore will have easier access to them if they're individually hunted down and killed and their families are as well because their families are under the same threat and we did nothing. Well, and it, it, we did nothing and the other thing is that when you describe that being hunted down as in the final act of being murdered or what have you, that's really horrible but the you know, the action of being hunted is terrifying, and that's what they're facing. Some of them either out of garbage cans in cities in Europe or in, uh, in other parts of the world <clears throat> because they have no money. And, the, you know, this is the other thing, too, and I've said this before. I mean, all I've ever really asked for is just to have one point person figure out who's eligible on the list, sit down and talk to them, help them apply, even if it's as refugees or whatever way you want to do it. And don't expect them to pay the fees and don't expect them to do everything in triplicate and every line or even at a Starbucks on a computer that, which they don't have. You just treat it as a special arrangement, almost like they did with SNC-Lavalin. You know, sans the hookers and all the things that they, they don't need to hire anything like that. They don't need to spend it for Gaddafi's sister, get her a job. Just help them out filling out the forms. This government is a disgrace. And it's not because of the stuff that we're hearing now, which is, you know, hard to listen to. It's because of what you've described here, which is leaving people basically on a spider web waiting for the spider to come and eat them because they're tangled mm -hmm. up in it. And yeah. uh, I don't I don't I have sleepless nights about it. I know you do. I do. Um, I don't know what to do. I mean, all we do is to, to raise it here. We do try not I try to be respectful with the minister. Uh, maybe, you know, and, and that's the other thing. I don't know if you noticed, but I try not to be acrimonious when I deal with these people, because I know that's not going to help the interpreter. Yeah, yeah, and that's right. really hard. That's humbling, you know, uh, to have to sit there and, you know, sort of salute as if these people think they're so important and all that. And I sit there and look at them and go, you know what, there's blood on your hands. Joe, you're a remarkable guy. Thank you. We're, hey, we're at the Rideau Canal, and um, it's, they just closed it uh, tonight. They went all the way to March 10th. 
which is an amazing thing. I don't know if the Minister of the Environment will acknowledge that or not, but it's it's been pretty good. We skied out there today. But the rain is coming. And, uh, I, you know, we, everyone is joking here about uh, Trudeau maybe taking a skate in the snow. I didn't see him out there today. Thanks, Joe. Thanks All for bad. everything you do. Joe Warmington from the Toronto Sun. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.